Okay, as always, you're going to get an introduction, and then I will do the body of the subject. Uh, of course, huh, it seems I have to yawn if I'm going to do these podcasts. Okay, this is it. Um, well, today was a wonderful day. My daughter, well, let's just go back in time. Yesterday, I had, shoot, a wonderful conversation with someone that lasted, I don't know, over three hours, almost four hours, I think. But it was wonderful. Great person. Great conversation. I really care about this person. Really am crazy about this person. They're a very good person. So the conversation was wonderful. And the interaction, the laughing, the irony... This is a very smart person, um, very loving person, soft heart, just, you know, many, many good things about this person. Um, okay, so I have that conversation with them, and they had to go to bed because they had to work. Well, <laughs> and this is indicative of this person. It's hilarious. They tell me they have to go to bed, and I don't want to keep them up because they have to work tomorrow. And... And remember, this is something I'm crazy about, so interaction with them is always good. It's always very satisfying. It's pleasant. So I love these interactions with this person because this is a very good person. But anyway, they tell me they have to go to sleep because they have to work. I say, no problem. Uh, they continue the conversation. Then at some point, I say, look, you got to get some freaking beauty sleep. you got to go. you got to work tomorrow. Okay, let's say goodbye. So they say goodbye. We hang up, and they start texting me. And they have do not disturb on their phone, so the only way they're going to see me if I text back is when they're actively texting me. So we're going back and forth, and they're sending me things. Um, and I said to them, um, what are you doing? <laughs> you need to go to sleep. But the, here's the irony. Even though I'm telling this person they need to go to sleep, and I, I really don't want to stop the conversation because it's that good with this individual. But I feel guilty because I know they have to work tomorrow. And even though I would love to continue the conversation with them, I know it's wrong for me to want something that's going to adversely affect them. I know they need to sleep. So there's a battle. <sighs> I had conflict because, yes, I really would have loved to continue the conversation. But I knew I shouldn't because they needed to go to sleep. So there was there was that conflict. But so we continued to exchange texts for a while, and then they said, "No, I really have to go to sleep now." Blah blah blah. And and you know, my wanting them to get their sleep overrode my desire to continue the texting because they really needed their sleep. So then we said our goodbyes. Well. <sighs> My daughter did get home some insane hour. Um, I went to bed like 1.30 in the morning, almost 2 o'clock, something like that. Um, so I woke up to a text from my daughter. And anyway, we decided we were going to go. Um, I said, well, why, you know, you're off today. I'm, I'm here to visit with you. Why don't we go to um, Lava Hot Springs, which is, you know, natural hot springs, mineral waters, hot springs that you sit in and enjoy the, the natural hot spring. Ugh. Now, two hours away is Lava Hot Springs. I've heard nothing but good about Lava Hot Springs. 
Um, so I had a, a vision in my mind, an expectation of what we were going to get when we got there. So we head out and discover my tire keeps saying low pressure on my tire. So I put air in it shortly after you know the signal goes away then it comes back telling me low pressure again and i'm thinking this is insanity how can it be low pressure well we discovered there's a slow leak because i went to a gas station and they said it would be like four o'clock or 4 30 before they could see me i asked if there was some other place they could recommend they did i went there they got it in <sighs> they said i had a slow leak they fixed it sent me on my way just wonderful people. And I would go to them again if I had problems. So anyways, we're finally on the road. And we go to Lava Hot Springs. Of course, we had to go to a place called, we had to pass through a place called Soda Springs, which is ghetto. It's a mining town. We get to Lava Hot Springs, and it is not what we expected. It was, my daughter and I both went, wow. And each one of us, independently decided we didn't really want to go um, because it was so shabby. It was so run down looking that in all these cars were parked there meant there was a lot of people in there using the hot spring. I didn't want to go, but she said she, she started um, talking about her displeasure about going so then I allowed me to say, well, I, you know, Claire, this place looks sketchy as hell. Maybe we should just go get something to eat instead of going in there in that human soup. That's what I call hot springs where there's a lot of people in it because, you know, the skin, dead skin from a person's body comes off and the minerals. And I call it human soup. So, you know, it's like bathing with somebody. Who would jump in the bathtub with somebody? Um, yeah, well, don't, don't even think about that. But anyway, my point is neither one of us had a desire to do it. So we're both adventurous. So Claire said, well, why don't we just ride around through town and check the place out? It was sketchy as hell. Super sketchy. Even the restaurants were questionable. So I said to Claire, um, we just need to get the hell out of here. So, so she said, I'm with you, Dad. Let's just drive around, see some more of the town. But yeah, let's get out of here and go somewhere else. So we did. Um, there was a, a regular two-lane road that would have been no, normally would have been 35, 30, 30 to 35 miles an hour. It was 20 miles an hour in a residential area. And in the distance, I could see a cop car pulled off trying to hide to catch people speeding going through it. So I did the 20 miles an hour methodically and drove past him like I didn't see him. And <sighs> eventually we hit the main drag. And we went back to Soda Springs to a place called Arctic Circle, which is, you know, like a fast food place. But it's, it's just a, a cut way above McDonald's or Burger King and things like that. They have actual Angus beef burgers. Um, they have real halibut fish and chips. So the food's really good. Um, it's moderately priced. I mean, it's not, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive either. Like, I think we paid together... Uh, like $20, $22 or something for combo meals, which isn't bad. We need to figure what we got. And then we drove around. We went to um, Hooper Springs, which is a natural spring in Soda Springs. We drove around a little bit. Then we headed back to the house he ended. 
So we had roughly five hours on the road just cruising around Idaho and Wyoming. Um, spend, in other words, got to spend this wonderful time together and then come home and just sit together. Well, Downton Abbey was on. She was playing a Downton Abbey tape, but we were just sitting there talking to each other. Okay, that's the introduction. Now I'm going to get into the meat of it. Um, in this day and age, there are, I think, by observation, from what I have observed, and from interactions I have seen with other people, um, I think that it is a blessing, it is a great blessing, to have the ability to really care about people, to have genuine love for people, genuine desire for, you know, for their welfare, that, in other words, you genuinely wish things would be better for them. Um, you celebrate them for the good things about them, all that type of stuff. Um, I was thinking about that today when I was thinking about the person I was talking to last night, who I think is like, you know, when I say I'm crazy about you, you got to be super good. If you're not, I'm not. It's just the way it is. So for this person to have my level of regard uh, for them and appreciation for who they are as a person, um, a very stellar person. And I was thinking about my daughter and thinking about all these things, thinking about other people I know. And, and that's what I concluded. I was appreciative that I was the kind of person um, who can actually appreciate people for who they are, the good things about them, who can have that regard for them, genuinely care about them, genuinely love them, and want, you know, want their lives to be good, want them to feel safe and want them to feel secure. I see in this world almost, I would say, almost um, an animosity toward other people, a lack of caring, a lack of compassion, um, a lack of interest. Now, I will admit, people I don't know and really care for, I don't have much interest in. I don't really make much of an effort to have anything to do with them. And, of course, there are some who um, I choose to have absolutely no contact with or involvement with, but that's because there's reasons I have to make those choices. I don't make those choices to punish them, uh, per se, and I don't make those choices because I think I'm better than they are. Um, those choices are made because in a relationship with them is detrimental to my happiness. It's detrimental to theirs, too, because... Um, like I was telling this person last night, I said, well, we got on the subject. I'm trying to remember the subject we were talking about. But I was saying that I said, yeah, I said, it bothers me sometimes because sometimes people think they're more significant to me than they really are when they find out they're not. Um, I said, I have been accused of leading people on. And they said, what? And I said, oh, yeah, I said, it's true. I said, I've, um, I've been accused of, I said, a person told me one time <clears throat> when they found out they weren't really that significant to me, they said that I was the one who caused the problem because I made them feel like I really cared about them. And I said, well, I do care about you, but not on the level that you think I do, you know. Um, 
And I can't remember what they, they asked me a question or something. And I basically told them, I never think about you unless I talk to you, which was true with this particular person. I never really gave them much of a thought. I mean, when I talked to them and interacted with them, but then uh, when I wasn't talking to them or interacting with them, I didn't think about them at all. Now, the person I talked to last night, yes, frequently I think about them and wonder how they're doing and hope that things are going well for them and all that kind of stuff. And there's a few people like that who, uh, who I know who are friends of mine, um, and they get that same type of interact. They don't even know it because I don't tell them, yeah, I think about you. You know, like with one person, I think about them all the time. I don't tell them, oh, yeah, I think about you all the time. I, don't, I usually don't tell people those types of things. It's very, very private things for me. So it's rare that I will ever clue anybody in just to how significant they are to me. Because I'm not one to clue them in how significant they are or how insignificant they are. I try to keep that stuff cloaked, private. Um, because they, I don't feel they really would understand to begin with. That's the reason. I'm not trying to deceive them. I just lack the confidence that cluing them in would help them understand. It just doesn't work that way. It is truly, I think, um, wonderful. Now, wonderful to care about people genuinely, to love people genuinely, whether it's a friendship or it's a, you know, a relative or it's a, uh, an intimate relationship like marriage or something like that. Whatever the relationship is, those appropriate feelings for that person and appreciation for them, I think it's nice to be able to do that because more and more people are withdrawing from people. Um, except, you know, what from a except for the benefits they can have by an affiliation with the person, or if the relationship is mandatory um, and they can't escape it. Otherwise, there isn't little by little, and in some cases in a great way, um, people are hardening their hearts against those types of emotions. Um, people are resisting the urge to be compassionate or to be understanding or to really care about somebody. Um, so, so those noble attributes of caring and appreciating and loving and all this stuff, they, they're actually working against those emotions, some in a way to protect themselves, some because they lack natural affection. I've met people, uh, men and women, who absolutely they had no natural affection to talk about. Nothing. They just didn't. Um, they couldn't care less. Um, you know, hearing about somebody losing their job it meant nothing to them because they didn't lose their job. So if somebody else losing their job or this or that or having a hard time, they had absolute, absolutely no sympathy, empathy, or compassion. Nothing. Um, and some callously say, well, uh, I'm glad it's happening to them and not me. You hear people say that. The thing is, is there's usually a connection between these two things. Someone who does not have the capacity to love someone else or care about them or try to make a difference in their life, usually is someone who doesn't love themselves, isn't really making a difference in their own life, and doesn't have the natural affection necessary to take a chance with people. To The irony is this. 
they will not put themselves out there, as the saying goes, meaning they will not um, risk being, say, hurt in a romantic relationship or lied to or taken advantage of in a business or whatever. In other words, they try to safeguard against these things by not get, not allowing uh, any situation to develop where they may be compromised. Um, that's one. The other thing is, because they have no natural affection, they don't develop as a person um, to have that spiritual influence in their life because they're going against the natural tendency to care about other people and to try to make a difference in their life. So their unwillingness to make a difference in other people's lives causes them to not really make a difference in their own life. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an irony I've witnessed. Now, I can understand someone who's been compromised by somebody, hurt badly, or whatever it was that the person did to them that traumatized them. I can understand an unwillingness to take the risk. But I think if you're going to have, just like anything, if you're going to have success or a reward, you have to take the risk. And I've told people this um, over the last few months, some people I've talked to, I said, you cannot live a riskless life. It's impossible. Everything in life has, climbing down the stairs, going down the stairs, well, let me say walking down the stairs to the basement has a risk of tripping and falling. Going up the stairs has a risk. But there's a risk of sitting in the basement, not going up and down the stairs, or just sitting in the basement refusing to climb the stairs. There's risks associated with it. Everything has a risk. And sometimes, even though we have spent a tremendous amount of time assessing the risk before we take the action, so, um, sometimes there are unforeseen complications or risks, risks that could not be foreseen and, um, you know, forecasted to be dealt with. How am I going to deal with it? Okay, my car doesn't have to take a gas. I, need, I know I need gas. Do I fill it up here or do I drive and hope I make it to the destination and fill it up there. Well, common sense risk assessment would say, go to a gas station and before you start your trip and fill it up with gas, which is what I did today for my daughter and my um, little, excuse me, little soiree. Um, I got fuel. Um, just like when the tire is low, I didn't take the chance that maybe the battery for the tire sensor was bad. I went and checked it out and made sure the tire was fixed. So in other words, those are risks that were identifiable and they took action immediately. However, people in this world, I think the greatest risk is people, ourselves included. We are perhaps the greatest risk, but other people are a serious risk too. And I think that in, when dealing with other people, we need to have a, you know, a strategy, a risk assessment strategy and we need to have a predetermined action plan for the risk that we consider so when you're dealing with other people and you're de determining the level of risk being involved with this person that you don't avoid involvement with them simply because there's a risk 
but rather you develop a plan based on the risk that you have determined on how you're going to interact with this person. How much you're going to tell them about yourself, how close you're going to let them get to you and how close you will get to them. All these different things. I'm, I'm actually a pretty good risk, uh, risk manager when it comes to people. Um, and sometimes I'm criticized because in situations where it's apparent that I'm being used or lied to or whatever, I have people who know me who are dismayed that I'm not doing something about it right at the moment. Um, it's because I don't feel the urgency. I have, I have reasons for the ways I do things. I have reasons for the way I do things. Um, and maybe they're not understood by other people, but I can guarantee you they deliver the results that I'm seeking. That, you know. Um, but anyways, not to get sidetracked on that. Sticking to the original theme. I don't think a person can truly develop and is as a person <clears throat> to their potential if they do not have natural affection. I don't think a person can reach their potential as a person without having a genuine regard for other people and a desire, a willingness to risk, take risk when it comes to other people. I usually tell people, take calculated risks. Do not just take risks. Um, not long ago, I was talking to a woman who um, was starting to get involved with this guy. Um, they met on the internet, um, and she was starting to get involved with him. Um, just, okay, everything she was telling me, I knew from my risk assessment that he was a poor risk, that she should not get so deeply involved with him. Um, and I usually don't say, I don't jump the gun and say, hey, stay away from him. She was asking me questions, and then I was asking her questions. Um, like she said to me, well, you know, he's really a nice guy. And I said, well, what's nice about him? And she said, oh, well, he's, he's so caring and, you know, he listens. And, you know, she was saying all these positive things. But I could sense that there was some within her, there was some uneasiness about him. And I said to her, I said, oh, well, all these good things, huh? And she said, yes. And I said, okay then what is it about him that's making you a little anxious or making you reluctant to really get involved with him? And this is what she said. So something's not right. And I said, do you have any evidence that something's not right? And she said, no, I just, I just feel like that something's not right. So I said, so what are you going to do? And she said, well, I don't know. I really like him. He's really nice. I want to have a relationship with him. And I said, well, let me just tell you this. I would have a very slowly developing relationship with him until one of two things. Until you determined what it is you don't feel comfortable with him about. Or the information is given to you by the long relationship with him that you're able to know what it is. So if he tells you, um, that, you know, well, he's been in prison or, you know, or he's a felon because I said, if he tells you anything about him that is seriously bad, yeah, then, then you better think twice about it. Um, 
But if over the term of the long relationship, if you still feel uneasy with somebody you spend a lot of time with, usually there's a reason. And um, I don't stay with the person. Um, if it's a long-term relationship and I'm not comfortable with them, like I feel I should be or like I like to be, I like to be comfortable with the people where I can just be myself. <clears throat> I don't have to be guarded. And I don't have to think through what I'm going to say or how I'm going to answer questions or things like that. But I will tell you this. When I can determine, discern, and for lack of a better word, perceive that their confidence in me is is not where I want it to be in the relationship, I distance from them. I step back a few steps, maybe even more. Um, I purposely withdraw for them, from them so I feel comfortable with their lack of comfortableness with me, their lack of comfort with me. Um, because when I find that someone is professing to be um, for me to be their friend or best friend or whatever they, whatever they say, they indicates that, um, yeah, you know, I, I know I can trust you. In other words, if they say words in the affirmative, but the impressions I get and the reading between the lines of the words they say and the things they do indicates to me that it's not really true, I will quietly distance from them. And I usually do it in a way where they're not even aware that there is distance because I know how to do that, and I'm certainly not going to tell you how I do it. Because if it affects you, I don't want you to know. Um, but I do do that. And it's, it takes a very, I would say someone who's very uh, aware, someone who knows me well is aware, <clears throat> and can see the change to pick up on it. Most people don't see it, and I don't want them to see it. So it's done in a way that it doesn't trigger them. Um, sometimes they get triggered because what they're doing isn't right. And I've sensed that too. I can pick up on that stuff with people. But um, in other words, they're doing things with me they know they shouldn't. And they're wondering if I'm aware of it. Yes, I'm aware of it. I'll tell you right now. Um, but I'm certainly not going to clue you into it. I'd rather have the information. All right, I'm going to close this up. But I actually vowed I was going to go to bed at a decent hour tonight. Let me just say this. It is better to take the risk with people and to develop your natural affection. If you don't really have any, develop it. If you have it, develop it to the highest level you can. But in terms of dealing with people, use risk management. Be, be real with yourself in your assessments. Don't judge them as far as, yeah, I, I know. But keep in mind that you, it's okay to say, I think, or maybe. But don't use that as a basis to make your decisions on how you're going to, you know, end the relationship or how you're going to do this, that, the other thing. Use it in the form of risk management. And that is, I feel there's a risk here, so I'm going to minimize my exposure. This is what I counsel people to do. If, um, like the same woman, I said, when she said that, I said, well, she said, well, I don't know. Well, how should I handle it? Because I really do like him, and I want him to like me. And I said, that's your first mistake, wanting him to like you. If he likes you, he likes you. 
And if he likes you, he should like you who you for who you are right this second, not for who you think you need to be for him to like you. Um, I said, if he really does like you, he'll like you for who you are. And he'll understand the good, the bad, and the ugly, but he will still like you for who you are. If you try to make changes that you think will uh, will cause him to like you more, you're exposing yourself. You're, I said, I think you're exercising poor judgment. If he's a good man, it will bother him that you're changing in a way that, I said, good men can pick up on when the woman is doing stuff for them to like them. When she's, you know, basically making the changes in her life to secure him, and whether it's a friend or lover or a husband, whatever the case may be. Good men pick up on that. And it makes them sad in a way, but it also makes them suspect of what's going on because they're thinking, you know, I already like you for who you are. What's going on? It's a red flag. I said bad men love it. Bad men are thinking, oh, wow, good. Because the bad man wants you to think that he wants you to think that he's really more into you than you are to him. That's one thing uh, men who aren't good men do. They try to convince the woman that no matter what he does, you're still number one. So if he's involved with other women or he's trying to get you to compromise yourself and your standards, it doesn't matter because even though he's doing this stuff, he still loves you. You know, you're it. There's nobody else. It's, well, it's a lie, of course. It's for him to get what he wants. Women do the same thing. Um, and remember, men only have 17 pantomimes of deceit. Women have 20. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that someone who uses a risk management strategy would not do that. So I told her, I said, well, I think it's okay if you really like him to to tell him, yeah, I really like you, you know, um, you know, I said, if you want to have a relationship with him, I said, I don't think there's anything wrong telling him I'd like a relationship with you. I said, but I would seriously pay attention to how he reciprocates uh, because it is very difficult for it's very difficult for good men to initiate a relationship with women um, because they don't want the woman to think they're going too far or they're taking liberties with her. Or he's a, he doesn't want to feel want her to think he's assuming there's something there that may not be there. So good men are very cautious about approaching women that they want a relationship with. Very cautious. Bad men aren't, because when a woman tells a bad man, you know, I'm really into you and I want to have a relationship with you, he's thinking, great, let's get on with it, um, and so he can take full advantage of it. Um, and he's really not into you like you're into him. So when something better comes along, he just drops you, he dumps you. Now, or if he gets tired of you because he's, you know, he's usually after to screw you or tap into your money or whatever it is he wants from you, um, that's not enough to keep him. It's just not. So when he finds out the annoying things about you, like you call him every day or text him, and he's, he's just trying to use you. He doesn't want to talk to you every day. He doesn't want to interact with you every day. He just wants you when he wants you. Uh, that song, I can't remember, um, something like Till Tuesday or something like that. I can't remember what it says. He, 
Um, he only wants me part of the time. Bad men only want women part of the time. They want them when they want them. They don't want to hear about their struggles in life. They don't want to hear about their fears and their anxieties and their hopes and dreams that are dashed in their child. They don't, want, they don't care about you enough to hear about that stuff. They might tolerate it to draw you in, but they could care less about you. And men the same way. Women who profess to be over the top on men, they do the same thing, some of them. Um, it's all a ruse. It's to, you know, it's to disarm you. So what I told her was, I said, well, if, if you're really into him, I would I try to find out just how into you he is. Um, yeah, I said, that's the first thing I do. Second thing, if you're not comfortable with him about something, for heaven's sakes, do not meet him in public. In other words, don't, don't meet him face to face. Continue the online relationship. Pay attention to how quickly he returns your texts. Pay attention when you're talking to him. Does he listen to you or, is he, or does he do all the talking? Um, is he genuinely interested in you or do he just wants you to listen to him or get off the phone? Um, when you talk to him, say for five or ten minutes, is he trying to get off the phone? You know, does he act bored? Is he distracted? All this stuff, because men who really are into a woman, whether it's a friendship or intimate relationship or whatever, men who are really into the woman give her their time. They want to listen to her. They want to help her. They want to help her understand things. They want to protect her. They care about her. I said, um, men and women, I should qualify this, men and women who don't really care about the other person don't do that stuff. It's tedious. It's time-consuming. It's boring. It's hard for them. Um, but if there was a benefit from it, um, whatever the benefit's going to be, oh, yeah, they'll stay there and they'll, they'll put in the work to get what they're going to get out of it. Um, I know a man, he's leading on six different women. He has online relationships with six different women. And he talks to them and, he, you know, he, he butters them up and tells them how lonely he is and how he could wish he could be with them and all this stuff, um, you know. And basically, he's asking them to send him money and telling him, that he would, you know, well, you know, send me $1,000 so I can come out and spend some time with you. And the woman sends him $1,000 and he never shows up. Something happened. Yeah, my car broke down or all oh, those bill came in. I had to pay. I'm sorry. And then he spends a lot of time with her online um, and calls her and spends hours talking to her. And then when he cooled, when he is able to relax her or pacify her, then he hits her up for money again. I said to him, how can you do that to a woman? Freaking, you know, playing him like that. And he said, well, they're stupid. That's the thing. They're stupid. And hey, if they're stupid enough to send me money, to hell with them. <laughs> I don't understand how people can be so callous, but that's his thing. So I haven't talked to him in a long time. But the last time I talked to him, he had six women on the hook, sending him money, sending him gifts. Um, and what he said, it was really demeaning. He said, all I have to do is talk to him um, or text him and tell him how grateful and how lovely and all that kind of BS. Um, and I said, and what are you going to do when they figure out you're just freaking living off them? 
He said, I'll just find another one to replace him. Now, I don't, I guess I haven't talked to him in a long time because I cannot be associated with people like that. He's a childhood friend. Um, but I never call him or never text him. We never uh, do anything together anymore, um, partly because I purposely changed all my numbers so they couldn't have access to, to me. So they don't have an access to me. Um, and if I saw a number from his area code, I wouldn't answer the call because I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to be associated with him. And basically told him that at one point. So I, I shield myself from him. So remember, in closing, you as a person and other people are the greatest risk in your life. I don't think it's possible really to use a risk assessment against yourself. What we do with ourselves is we improve who we are. We make better choices. We stop behavior that are destructive or limiting. And we grow ourselves as a person. As for other people, risk assessment. Reality. I tell people, do a risk assessment. Always tell the truth. When you deal with somebody, when you talk to somebody, always tell them the truth. Don't play games with their heart. I tell them that too. And I tell them, do not, if you if you feel that there's a, a risk to you, um, you get those feelings, back off. Take a good look at it. Um, take a good look at the relationship and see if you can determine where it really is. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to tell. Um, I'm a very patient person. I give things time. I wait for the evidence. Um, and then I make a decision. I'm going to deal how, you know, handle it or deal with it. And then I do it. And I don't look back. I don't know if you people are able to do that. But I can tell you this. When you're dealing with other people, you have to be able to walk away and not look back. I'm very good at it. I don't like it with some people. That's why I try to safeguard the relationship and never let it come to that if I can help it. Because once it's over with me, it's over completely. It's done. And it's not getting back. There's going to be no rest, reconciliation and re-involvement. There might be a reconciliation of my apologizing to you for what I'm going to do to you or what I did do to you or what's going to be permanent. But there certainly will not be you know, um, a getting back together with a person or a reestablishment of the relationship, I will not allow it. Yeah, I don't look back. I look forward. Yeah. Okay, that's it. That's about all I can tell you. Just wish you the best. You're going to get your freaking heart broken sometimes. You're going to be lied to. You're going to be used. All those things, don't let them stop you from being the best person you can be. And don't let them stop you from your personal development of being a compassionate person being a person who cares, being a person who has the capacity to truly love someone without being compensated for your effort. Yeah, that's a noble person. Um, oh, and the final one before I go. Don't give a damn what people think about you or what they say about you. Don't let that change who you are as a person and where you're going. Let them say what they want. Let them criticize you. Let them evaluate. Let them do whatever. You go on with your life and do the best with your life that you can, irrespective of others' opinions or criticisms.
Uh, my daughter and I were talking about this today. She said, Dad, I don't understand. How can you not care? You know, how can you just not, you don't care if they lie about you. You don't care what they say about you. I said, I don't care, Claire, because I just don't care. I refuse to surrender my person to another person. I refuse to surrender my reputation to a person who is lying about me. I have no defense against lies. So why would I try to defend myself against somebody lying about me? Because there's no defense against lies. You don't prove anything to anybody. People determine what the truth is themselves. And I say, let them choose what they will. Yeah. And that's it. Okay, now it's really goodbye. Freaking 40 minutes. Nah. Yes, I did work on that. All right, good night.